0: Kia ora, I'm Alex Ashton. Today on The Detail, the refreshed police plan to reduce maori overrepresentation in the criminal justice system. The police have set an ambitious new goal to reduce the rate of re-offending among Māori by 25% in the next five years. It's one of many targets sent out in their new Māori strategy, te huranga or te tai.
1: Other than seeing arrest as our first option looking at how we could do uh, things different. Just because you're Māori sitting in a Porsche
0: or a Maserati doesn't mean that you have, they have the right to pull you over. But how different is this strategy from the Māori strategy of the same name, but in English, Turning of the Tide, released seven years ago? And how seriously can we take it, given it was announced hard on the heels of armed police patrols being trialled in largely brown areas such as South Auckland?
2: And so, in the one week that strategy is released, in order to change those statistics and reduce the Māori refinding rate by a significant amount, while also having armed police forces in communities where there are a lot of Māori and Pacifica.
0: More on that soon. But first, let's look at this new strategy, Te Huringa o Te Tai.
3: The familiar figures. Māori make up 51% of the prison population, 66% of the number of young people arrested, and more than half of those warned or charged following police pursuits. Police say they want to do their bit to stem those numbers.
0: Marnie Dunlop is RNZ's Māori News Director. She's looked at both strategies.
3: The Turning of the Tide strategy,
2: which was released in 2012, had quite specific targets around um, prosecution, uh, around traffic offences, around youth um, arrests and prosecutions. I was just looking at the, the targets that they had um, in when, when that first came out and also an update of where they, those were at in 2016. Um, and on the face of it then that there wasn't much
0: that had changed. The 2012 plan aimed to cut first-time offenders by 10% by 2018. The numbers didn't budge. The police wanted to cut re-offending by 20%, but that actually went up for both youth and adults.
2: To give the police some credit, they've had seven years to undo years and years of colonisation and armed constabulary, and and how the first person to be arrested in New Zealand was was the Māori, the first person to to be killed on, under the death penalty was Māori. So you know, there's a lot of corridor um, around how the police force was a way in which to control Māori. So. A strategy um, with, from 2012 to 2018, you know, that's a lot to, to change and to unpack in that time. So, you know, l- obviously still
3: off the foundation of turning up the tide. Deputy Commissioner Wally Homaha is calling the new strategy a watershed moment. He says slashing the maori reoffending rate by a quarter by 2025 is ambitious
0: but possible. But how? The strategy is full of buzzwords like co-design – Dunlop is a little dubious.
2: In the strategy on the face of it, I'm not seeing clear-cut examples of how they're going to do that. It is quite vague in some areas around those relationships and those partnerships in which they're hoping to
0: achieve. Julia Whipoate is a law reform advocate and part of an independent justice advisory group appointed by the Justice Minister, Andrew Little.
1: Turning of the tide that came out about five years ago initially I really set an intention of how police are going to work differently, particularly with Māori. A lot of things, for whatever reason, they didn't reach the outcomes or the aspirations that they that they set out in that strategy. And this is a almost what I would see as a reaffirmation and, and commitment to what was that strategy um, set
0: years ago. The big headline from it was this idea of reducing Māori reoffending by a quarter by 2025. Is that the right target to set?
1: I think it's it's admirable and right for the police to set a target because it makes them accountable. They need to be looking at changing their practice and holding themselves accountable to how they reach that because in order to reach that, they're going to have to change the way that they practice. I guess the, the one thing that I would be critical about that is, it puts it on Māori. We're going to reduce maori reoffending when actually, and the um, Commissioner Mike Bush said in 2012, recognised the uh, racist practices of police in operations, knowing that Māori are more likely to be stopped, arrested, charged, that that was something police have owned. That actually, in order to do that, the onus needs to be on police to change how they practise and where they patrol and the, how they exercise discretion.
0: So that's when police take it upon themselves to choose which path they go down: arrest, court case, jail, or try another means. Here's Lisa Owen interviewing Commissioner Mike Bush back in 2015.
3: You've said that you've got to be careful about how you use your discretion.
2: Have you got a have you got a problem there at the moment in exercising that discretion?
1: I think we did because we collected data right from the start when we started applying something called alternate resolutions and we saw that there was a bias. So my, in talking to my people, I wanted them to understand that there could be an unconscious bias in how we deal with that.
2: So and being, I can
1: say since So we being started, tougher
2: on Māori you mean by that? Being tougher on Māori when you had a discretion to make a decision? So as we apply it, But when you use that phrase, unconscious bias, when you're talking about Māori, you mean racism, don't you? That's what you mean.
1: Unconscious bias, we've spent quite a bit of time getting to understand that, and it does not mean that. It's, It's something that everyone inherently has, and it's important that as police officers and professionals, we know how to understand that and ensure that we don't practice unconscious bias. Building that trust is not going to happen from writing into a strategy saying we're going to rebuild trust with Māori. I mean, uh, the Uruera raids were only like 10 years ago.
3: The police have apologised to the people of Tuhoi for illegal roadblocks and detentions, while still maintaining that the Uruwera raids were necessary. Even Matao
1: was this year, and we saw the
3: police response there. Last night, there was a big increase in the number of both police and protesters, with protest leader, pa- leader Pania Newton alleging that she was pushed over by an officer during the five-hour standoff. Dozens of police formed a human wall to block people from moving further down, and tensions escalated as protesters went up to meet them.
1: Well, they were there in numbers on behalf of Fletcher's And knowing most of the people that are occupying that land peacefully were Māori, the police actions have always contradicted what they say they want to do. I think it can't be lost that the police are actually owning that colonisation has happened and that 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 impact is living today. So to have an institution like the police recognise that, a different approach that police have taken in the past in terms of their own strategies. I guess the issue, though, is when you limit it what can often happen is you can have a police or crown agency saying colonisation happens, so that means there are more Māori that come into here and that that's beyond their control. But what they have to know is that whatever reasons bring Māori into contact with the police, and sometimes that's a choice of the police, uh, that the police have an obligation under how their own processes and structures work Uh to recognise, actually, but we don't apply this equally or evenly to Māori, uh, so that it doesn't—we don't want to negate responsibility to say colonisation happened—that's beyond police control. That that this very firmly does need to put in the police court. What do they need to do differently um, to ensure that they that they are meeting their their obligations and using their power and control? in a way that doesn't actively disadvantage Mali. So, which is not just historic, that's the current state of play.
2: Armed, loaded and ready to go, this highly trained and new armed defender squad could be patrolling a neighbourhood near you.
1: But it's really difficult to talk about how significant it is when literally the, within two weeks of that strategy being re-released, the police have committed to armed forces and mainly Māori communities Um, patrolling Māori communities without having had any consultation or communication with Māori within those communities. So this seems really contradictory in terms of what the police actions are showing to what their strategy says that they're doing is in direct uh, contradiction to each other. The strategy comes out and says we want to work differently with Māori, we want to co-design with Māori, we want to make sure that uh, we build trust with Māori communities and then at the same time, they release a policy and operationalize that policy, which has n- not done any of that. I, what's something that I often refer to is adding chocolate chips to the cookie that's already baked. So right now, we've had the strategy that's released that's talking about, like, this is what we're going to do for Māori, so these are the chocolate chip bits, but the, the structural practice of policing has already been baked and already implemented. And this, whether the timing was off or not, I think that the release, which seems... I have to say, and many of us who are advocating in this space, were really uh, alarmed and surprised that this seemed to be triggered from police, um, that they needed to arm up for the safety of the communities and in response of, in response what they've used as their excuse or, or rationale to the white supremacy attacks that happened in March in Christchurch, um, which is really alarming that they're using that as a reason why they need to arm up and, and make sure that they're um, patrolling communities to keep people safe. But knowing that they're patrolling predominant, predominantly brown communities, um, that the impact of the police being armed up in these communities is really dangerous.
2: There is a lot of distrust within the Māori community and police, and the police have and are trying to mend that relationship, as we've seen in the strategy. That was a big part of um, you know what they're trying to achieve.
0: When they released the version of this in 2012 did it feel like the police were taking a different approach to trying to balance things out?
2: Again, I think it was a diff- it was different. It was a different time, and I I remember when that came out, and I was doing quite a few stories around you know s- s- crime statistics, and you know we don't need to rehash all of those statistics. We are overrepresented in incarceration and prosecution. Um, you know, reason being why there's a strategy for it. Mm. But back then, at that time, no one was publicly owning up to their unconscious bias or institutional racism within the police force. Um, and I think at that time after the strategy had had been released, that Wally Homaha and I think when Mike Bush came in, they openly addressed it and openly acknowledged that that it does exist in the police force. And I think there was when a shift started to happen.
0: This report, released now compared to the last one in 2012, does it feel different and how does it feel different?
2: I think it, it does feel different. In, in 2012, when that was released, this the acknowledgement of institutional racism, unconscious bias within the police force, uh, the impact of colonisation, intergenerational trauma, uh, urbanisation um, and the flow and effect of, of gangs and in, in the part that that played weren't fully acknowledged um, and if they were it was vaguely and and not as direct as it is now and so based on that I think that this is the difference of how the strategy has changed and you know as I've been outlining this is that turning of the tide in twenty twelve was has provided the foundation in order to give the police put the police in a better position to put this new Te Holding Ulti Thai strategy in place based on what they've learnt in that seven year um, that seven year strategy.
0: To see the police talking so openly in the strategy though about things like historical trauma and the the impact of colonization and they are making that connection. How significant is that though?
2: I think over the past few years, the police have been making a conscious effort and being vocal and being quite open about that existing in the police force, uh, and have been for yeah, for the yeah for the last few years or so. I think seen for me personally, seeing it in you know black and white uh, in the strategy um, and acknowledging that has and is happening. Um, you know. The relationship with the police for many Māori isn't great, uh, and for me, reading that it is seen it is a step in a, in a direction in which I hope that the wider force really take that on board and understand what that means. And I think that one of the aspects of, of the strategy is training for um, for police for, at the police college uh, and around you know cultural competency and understanding where this trauma has come from.
3: Part of the strategy looks at how the police can eliminate racism within the organisation. Officers will continue to go through cultural training programmes to strengthen their understanding of te ao Māori and there's a commitment to ensure there are Māori staff at every level of the organisation.
2: And I think that is where it's going to really start to make change when those officers coming through are really unpacking that um, and understanding the the harm that it has caused and how that harm can be mitigated if this these sorts of strategies are taken on board, um you know it doesn't a strategy like this though doesn't come without its criticisms and as I've as I've said, people are very apprehensive and hesitant to to embrace it wholeheartedly, uh and that you know there is hope I think within um for some Māori leaders and Ewe leaders. And yeah, so I guess the we'll have to wait and see. If I'm going to be frank, when I was reading through this report, um, a lot of there are it does seem vague and quite in quite a few parts. And you know, like so some of the outcomes, and I'll just read these out. So one of them is Māori are treated with respect, fairness and culture, understanding when interacting with police and mutual understanding of the aspirations, expectations and historical treatment of tangata whenua and police, one of them. Another one is police address the root cause of issues that cause repeat offending. So, you know, these all sound great on paper.
0: Yeah, they're saying the right things. <laughs>
2: they, are say, oh, they are saying all the right things. They're hitting all the marks. Um, but again we have you know we have to we have to wait and see and from and and also like our the principles for change uh kanohi ki kanohi face to face tahi, everyone working together collaboratively um manakitanga being hospitable and fair uh like all of these great principles we do have to see how that is um how it's going to be implemented you know not that and that is from the senior level to the police on the beat.
0: When you were reading this report, do you, do you feel like you got a sense of how they were going to achieve these targets in terms of what they were actually going to do to reduce the overrepresentation?
2: I think in some cases, yes. I think there's, they they had laid it out very clear. And as I mentioned again, the um to reduce Māori offending by twenty five percent, um as well as um focusing on the partnerships with Tangata Whenua through Māori-led intervention schemes. So, you know, there are clear-cut goals in this, um, but also on the other hand, there's, There are parts of it that, you know, they want to reduce the impact from facilitators of crime through evidence-based deployment of police resource, um, that victims of crime are supported to keep themselves safe from further harm. As to how those happen, you know, the language around partnerships and co-design, which is definitely a buzzword um, in the government at the moment, uh, would really... And, you know, they want to design, pilot and pilot new approaches. So I think those sorts of things will definitely be in the works, but in the strategy on the face of it, I'm not seeing clear-cut examples of how they're going to do
0: that. At the end of the report, it talks about when they're looking at the success of this whole thing, one question they will ask themselves is, if police were to do better, what would this look like for Māori? What would that look like for Māori, who you say do still, in many cases, have a strained, untrusting relationship with the police?
2: I mean, if we were to dream big, paitawhiti styles, um, I think that just dropping that incarceration rate, you know, and and 55% of males in prison are Māori, being less than 20% of the population. For our wahine Māori, it's more so. It's almost um, up to 60%. And so those figures need to drop urgently um, but also it's not just getting it's it's the prevention strategies around that um, and how we're stop how the police is, are stopping them from getting into prison in the first place and how what those pathways look like uh, and and but also when they are, if they are being put in prison, what is being provided them outside of that and making sure that they aren't going back in there uh, and giving them the support that they need. And that's when Māori organisations will, will come can come to the table and provide those answers and provide that support if they have the resources.
0: That's the detail for today. I'm Alex Ashton. The Detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating, as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Rangi Poek and produced by Alexia Russell. Kaki Teano.